everybody and welcome to a new episode of Evie's Korean Drama Podcast Show. My name is Evie, I'm your host, and I am a K-drama obsessive. So this is the show where I waffle on about all of the K-drama that I love. If you'd like to support the show, you can check out my Patreon at patreon.com forward slash Evie Korean Drama Podcast. There you will find extra podcast episodes and updates on what I'm watching at the moment. Also, just before I get started, please be warned that I do swear a little bit on this show when I get excited. And when I'm talking about K-drama, I always get excited. Alright, so I thank you very, very much for listening and let's get on with the K-drama show. Today, I'm going to be chatting about the Korean drama called Grand Prince. Um, I'm quite excited about this one. It is a really kind of sweeping, epic, romantic, historical, and I don't know, it's probably more on the serious side. Like, it certainly starts off a little bit kind of cute and fun, particularly like, you know, the meet cute stuff where the romance is involved. But I think um, even though it's not like... It's definitely inspired by true events in history, uh, but it really it really steers off course um, around those events. Like it definitely doesn't play out in the drama the way it does in history. But even so, I feel like this isn't like one of those kind of, you know, fusion kind of modern kind of sagoks. It's definitely like more of an epic, romantic, sweeping serious. I want to say serious. Like I think mainly it's quite, it's just very emotional. Um, anyway, <laughs> I'm getting a bit off topic. So the drama is called Grand Prince. It is a 20 episode historical, so a saguk, and it came out in 2018. Um, I watched this drama. I picked up Grand Prince uh, for many reasons. Uh, the main one being that, you know, to be honest, I had actually tried the first episode a long, long time ago um, and I didn't really get into it. Um, yeah, I don't know why I, I used to. <laughs> I feel embarrassed to admit this, but I used to have kind of a weird thing about the actress Jin Seon. Um, I'd seen her in a drama and I hadn't really liked her, particularly in that drama. And these days she's one of my favorite actresses. So I've been really, really following her around, um, particularly all her historical dramas. Um, so this is the third one of Jin Se-yeon's historical dramas I've watched in a row. <laughs> so I'm a big, big fan of hers now. I love her so much. So that was a huge reason for me to pick this up because I'm kind of, oh, I don't know. I've just rediscovered how wonderful she is. And I don't know what was going on with me before. Maybe I had a bad day for the whole time I watched that random drama she was in. I really don't know. Um, maybe I'm just a really terrible fickle person. I don't know. <laughs> She's so good. What was wrong with me? Um, so I really did pick it up because of her. Also, um, the lead actor in this drama is Yoon Shi Yoon, who is one of my favorites. Um, so I was very, very keen to kind of give this drama another go and see if, you know, see if I was just in a weird mood the last time when I picked it up. 
I think it's so interesting the way, I don't know if it's like your taste changes over time, but definitely the way that I relate to particularly historical dramas has really, really changed for me in like more recent years, I want to say, because I feel like I've gotten a lot more interested in Joseon history um, in a more serious way than I used to. I used to kind of like it and be interested, but I was still like you know, the drama, I don't know, maybe it had to be more fun and less serious. Um, was these days, I just get so much more out of historicals than I used to just because I'm interested in everything about that period. I'm interested in the way things look and the houses and the people and the clothes and just anything to do with that period in history. I just feel like I want to watch it. Um, so I definitely relate to, you know, Joseon set Saguk's very differently than I used to. Um, and this drama, I really don't know why I didn't get into it the first time I tried to watch it. It's it's really charming and really fun. Um, maybe it's something to do with kind of the start opening section, which is almost like almost like a prologue, but you you're seeing something that happens a lot later in the story. Um, but I'll talk about that a little bit in the setup section, I think. Um, so the other casting that I haven't mentioned is the second male lead, who is also he plays the villain of the whole drama and very epically so. Um, so this is the actor Ju Sung Uk, who plays a character called Lee Kang. Um, so he's, yeah, he's, he's a total villain, but I love the way the drama fleshes him out. Like he's this very spiteful, poisonous man, but you, you're certainly invested in who he is and why he's become what he has. Like very, um, I want to say charismatic kind of, performance of a villain. Very, very cool. Um, so, of course, there's Jin Se-yeon as the female lead and kind of, you know, this woman torn between these two brothers who are both princes. Um, and the the male lead, the younger prince, the perfect younger prince, played by the actor Yoon Shi-yoon, who is wonderful as always. Um, and a lot of other faces in this drama that are in, you know, heaps of other shows that I've, I've seen. So, yeah, really... Really good cast, I think, and a really good story. Very, like, romantically epic. I keep wanting to say Romeo and Juliet, you know, these lovers that just want to be together and keep getting torn apart in the, the most tragic of circumstances. Um, and yet it's a very satisfying and, like, fulfilling kind of ending. So it's not like a big doomed romance um, kind of a show. So the Grand Prince, or just Grand Prince, I don't think there's a the, even though I want to say that every single time. Um, but Grand Prince is a really good drama. I definitely like if you're into historicals, if you're into Sagawks, well, check it out. It's, it's really good. It's very swoony, very epic, lots of cool like kind of fighting and just really kind of big plot stuff going on. Um, very high stakes. Um, so what I'm going to do is just get straight into the setup of the show and talk a bit about these characters and, you know, what they do, <laughs> what they do in this drama. So the Grand Prince setup. Let's see if I can explain this. Um, so I've been thinking about it, like trying to figure out why it is that the first time I tried watching this drama, it didn't really kind of connect for me. And then later when I watched it again, obviously I've been really, really into it. I've really, really enjoyed it. Um, and I was wondering if maybe it is because of the way the series starts. Um, instead of kind of starting the story at the beginning and building up through the whole story, um, the, the drama actually opens on this 
big kind of intense event happening that happens halfway through the drama. And then it skips back. I think it's like four years earlier to kind of tell how the story got to that point. And certainly the event that it opens with is very dramatic and it is very exciting. Um, So basically we see there's this kind of like this big sort of issue happening at the palace in that the king is dying and this younger prince is clearly like kind of gunning for the throne um who's of course the second male lead played by Ju Sung Wook so this is uh Lee Kang so Lee Kang is kind of turning up he's clearly like getting ready to take the throne because the king is finally dead and he, the king's son is too small to kind of he's he's a little baby so you know he he's not very powerful at this point because he's a little baby. Um, but then, you know, his, uh, Lee Kang's long lost dead brother turns back up. And of course, this is our male lead, Yoon Shi Yoon, um, who plays the younger prince, Hui. So Hui turns back up and saves the day. And then Hui runs off because he finds out that his long lost love is about to get married to another man. So this is the female lead, uh, played by Jin Se-yeon, and her character's name is Ja Hyun. So Jahyeon has clearly been holding out for this this person that she loves, Prince Hui, who she thinks has been dead for three years and still she is refusing to marry anybody else. And she is threatening her parents at the opening of the drama to, you know, like she's cut off her hair and she says she's going to go be a nun in the mountains um, and she refuses to marry. And then, of course, you know, Prince Hui turns up on her doorstep unexpectedly because she thinks he's well dead, but he's not well dead. And they have this like madly, you know, sweeping romantic, like, oh, crying, running towards each other in slow motion, wrapping their arms around each other. And I was thinking about it. I'm like, why? Why don't I love this? Like, this is super romantic and epic and interesting. Um, And I was thinking that maybe it's because the romance, like that's shown in that first like little just opening section of the drama is so epic it's so big you know they're both just like crying and running towards each other and I feel like maybe my emotions you know they're not earned yet at this point of the story like I'm glad these two random people get to see each other again clearly they've been through some shit but also I don't know who they are yet so like I kind of didn't feel what the drama was trying to tell me emotionally was going on in front of me these two you know long separated lovers being reunited and obviously I meant to feel swoony but I was kind of like who are these people what's going on why should I care um so I feel like maybe that's why I didn't really connect with the drama when I first watched it because maybe I just got to the point where I was like eh who are these people and then I stopped watching (laughs) instead of you know sticking with the drama as it then flashes back four years earlier to tell us the story of who these people are and I think for me like I kind of feel like oh they could have just started at the beginning and you know I thought the beginning was strong enough as it was you know as a this very, very interesting and very long kind of winding story to find out how the characters get to this, you know, very exciting point that happens midway in the drama. Um, But that might just be a personal thing. Like other people might not have that reaction to that kind of opening scene at all. Um, But for me, that's how I felt. Um, But I have to say that by the time the drama works through everything and brings us back to, you know, that kind of prologue opening section that actually occurs in the main timeline halfway through, like I was invested. And when they show you those same scenes again and you see these lovers reunited after being separated, I was like, oh, my heart, like I I am feeling this now. It's very, very emotional. 
Um, so I guess what I'll do is just try and tell the story in a linear fashion and I will begin at what is essentially the beginning of their timeline. Um, so pretty much we have our heroine played by Jin Seon, who is a young noble woman called Jia Hyun. So her family is like pretty powerful. Her dad's like a very high up minister in court. So she is, I found it really interesting. Oh, so the drama is set in the 1400s, I think like kind of around the mid 1400s and it is based loosely or inspired by true events. Um, and in true history, there is, you know, these, these princes that are sort of fighting for the throne and. And, you know, one of them manages to get it. Um, but the drama changes events significantly so that it's just very loosely inspired by the truth. Um, but I, I was really interested, I think, in kind of where Jia Hyun begins her own journey. She is a very high up noble woman. So she has, a, you know, a personal maid and she lives in this real nice house. And she is a lady of leisure because, you know, that's that's what she she is. You know, she's not a commoner or a peasant out working or anything like that. She spends a lot of time painting and drawing. This is her absolute passion in life. But she also feels that she doesn't know enough about the world to be able to really paint it authentically with emotion. Um, and I really liked this. You know, she kind of feels that she can't do these things justice because she hasn't seen them. So, for instance, she wants to paint horses but she can't do it because she's only kind of seen them a little bit from a distance and she wants to see them up close. Um, so I've been like, you know, I, I talk about this on the podcast a lot, but obviously I do a lot of research into Joseon and I am definitely no expert, but I I was really interested in the way this drama kind of portrayed Ja Hyun, like her place in, you know, Joseon society, which is a neo-Confucius kind of structured society in which as a noble woman of very high birth, you know, her place is in the house. It's in the inner quarters. It's not to go out, not to be seen, um, you know, just to be quiet and stay indoors, basically. Um, but Jahyon is really pushing against that. You know, she wants a different kind of life. But at the same time, she has this kind of innocence and naive naivety to her, I suppose, in that she's not really aware that she has it very good, that she does live this very nice kind of privileged life. So she's not... Yeah, she's just not very aware of the world. So she's sort of very bumbly around the place. And she kind of, I think, not in a mean way. It doesn't come across like she's mean, but I think she does sort of look at her friends. So she has two friends who are both women who, you know, are talking about marriage and they're, they're trying very hard at these kind of like marriage etiquette classes to, you know, be proper virtuous women of the time and, you know, kind of... Uh, you know, abide by what's expected of them in their roles as women who are destined to be, you know, the wives of great men and, and mothers and all this kind of stuff. But Jia Hyun really is pushing against that stuff. And I think in a way, she kind of does look down on the other women, just in that she doesn't covet the same things as them. And she doesn't really understand why they care. But of course, it's, you know, she's in this place of privilege that she's enabled to not care about these things because she's a bit indulged by her family, even though, you know, they're a bit despairing of how useless she is at being the kind of woman that she should be. Um, but, you know, one of her friends, for instance, who plays sort of a second female lead in the drama, played by the actress Ru Hyo-yong, <laughs> uh, who plays a character called Nagyom. Um, so I really liked this character. She begins as like a very close friend to Jahyon. But you find out that Nagyom is, she is from a noble family, but she's from a very kind of 
maybe an over the hill noble family. Like there's not money. There's not a lot of relatives. Like no one's in powerful positions. Um, I'm pretty sure like her dad's passed away. So it's, they, they don't have any connections. So she doesn't have like kind of huge options, I suppose, for her future. So she's quite aware. She's aware of her position and she is ambitious and she wants more. So this is why at these, you know, marriage etiquette classes, she tries hard. Whilst Jahyon, she doesn't have to, you know, her family is very well off and rich and she is living a slightly coddled life. But because of that, she is very... Um, it's easy to connect with her, I think, as a modern viewer, you know, she's so vivacious. This is Jahyon, the female lead. She's so vivacious. She's so curious about the world. She, you know, she might sort of kind of look down on what some of her friends want, but not in like a malicious way or even an intentional way. It's sort of just a byproduct of, you know, this kind of innocence around her. So she's a very lovely character and I liked her a lot. Um, so her whole mission in life is to paint and, be, you know, become good at painting um, and she wants to see horses. So basically the kind of initial meeting between her and you know, the main hero of the piece, Yoon Shi Yoon's character, the young Prince Hui, is Jahan and her personal maid. And I really liked her personal maid in this too. She was really good. Um, I head off to this paint shop and they're trying to buy this like beautiful blue paint that is extremely difficult to get in Joseon. And the guy is like, I don't know, he's trying to rip them off or whatever. And they're kind of like fighting over it and it spills everywhere all over Jahyon basically. And the guy's like, you need to pay me a zillion trillion dollars for this. And Prince Wee turns up and he's just like super smooth and super cool. And he's like, yeah, that paint is fake and you're trying to rip them off. And so he basically just gets her out of this situation. So she's a little bit grateful, but also she's kind of a bit pissy at him as well, because I think he's there to take her blue paint and he's the special customer that, you know, the guy wouldn't sell her the blue paint because it was actually meant for this Prince Hui. But of course, Jahyon doesn't realize that she's meeting a prince, so she's not entirely very respectful. She really doesn't care about any of that. I guess that kind of uh, stuff of being in a certain position that you have to look up to someone. She just like kind of lives in her own little world, which is really nice uh, for her. <laughs> um, maybe not so much the people around her. <laughs> Um, but she's very, very likable, I have to say. So anyway, like her and Prince Wee, like he's a bit in her face and like in a, you know, a smooth, handsome sort of way. So she's a little bit flustered, but you know, they sort of part ways. Um, and then kind of Jahyun's big mission after that is to go see some horses up close. So there's this big, um, polo match. Well, the subs say it's a polo match. I'm not entirely sure what it is, but basically a bunch of dudes in teams sit on horses and play some sort of ball game with sticks. Um, so it certainly looks like, I guess, what I know of as a polo match, but I'm sure it is some other sort of game. Um, so it's like this big deal. Everyone's going to watch and, um, Jahyun isn't allowed to go. Um, her brother and her family are going, but it's like it's no real place for a noble woman. Um, so, but her best friend does get to go, which is Nagyom, um, who is she's kind of going because she has been matched in an engagement with this. One, sorry, one of the princes. So this older prince. So this is the second male lead called Ikang. So 
we kind of get introduced. Um, I'll probably talk about Ikang in a little bit um, after I've gone through the meat cute of our romantic leads. Um, but Jahyun kind of sneaks out. She dresses like a commoner. She sneaks into this like, you know, the kind of where all the commoners are watching this big horse thing. But her brother's like on a horse in the arena and he sees her. So her brother has been kind of tapped on the shoulder by the second male lead, the prince Yi Kang. And Yi Kang is incredibly ambitious and competitive. And basically what Jia Hyun doesn't realize is this whole polo match, there's two teams and at the head of each team is one of these two princes. So the younger prince, Hui, and the older prince, Yi Kang. And Hui is just this very nice guy. He really, he like, you know, he knows he's not going to be a king. He doesn't covet the idea of the throne. He is there to support his family, look after his older brother, who is the king, his eldest brother, and just basically be an all-round swell, amazing dude. He also really loves painting, and he just wants, you know, the quiet life, basically. But his older brother, Yi Kang, covets the throne. He covets basically anything that is not his. And everything that he gets, he wants more than it immediately. He just has this insatiable hunger for everything. It's, uh, he's such a fascinating, complex character. And of course, he is the villain of the piece. But I do love the way that he's not just a villain. He's a pitiful character that you also feel a lot of empathy for as the drama progresses. Um, but Yi Kang is, he wants to win this polo match. He wants his team to win, win the polo match. And he goes so far as to stick a fucking thorny thing into one of the horses, which is, of course, you know, his rival brother, Hui's horse. Um, so Hui ends up like kind of having an accident on the court and falling off his horse. And he has to go into like his little change room or whatever. Um, but meanwhile, Jia Hyun, who's been watching the horses, realizes that her brother, who's on Yi Kang's team, has seen her so she is running for her life and he just like in the middle of the game he's off his horse chasing her screaming at her um so he chases her all around through the crowd she manages to get away but she manages to like kind of slip into these weird stable places and of course she ends up in prince Hui's change room so she's in there for a little bit and she's looking at stuff and she kind of drops like her you know her rolled up horsey painting things <laughs> and then she hears someone coming in and of course it's prince Hui who's fallen off his horse and he's a bit injured and he comes in and she hides behind a curtain and he of course strips off so he's like you know all shirtless and looking really nice <laughs> and he's he's really upset it's really interesting like I think he sort of plays the role of this you know just this this family guy like he's so nice he loves his brothers so much and he really wants to give his older brother Yi Kang the benefit of the doubt but it's it's this conscious effort that he has to make to look the other way when his brother covets the things he has like his brother refuses to even lose to Prince Hui in a game and you see like the pain of this situation on Prince Hui's face and yet he's never going to confront his brother and there's this part of it that by I feel like even him bringing it up with his brother confronting his brother making his brother you know realize that Prince Hui is aware of that his brother is gunning for the throne is almost like maybe Prince Hui thinks that would kick things off that would actually mean that this was real that there was a real problem in his family and he just wants to live this you know nice quiet life and be satisfied and content with what he has so, you know, he's very, very troubled by the fact that his brother was willing to hurt an animal and hurt him, you know, in order to win this game. But also, you know, he's not going to do anything about it because he just cannot face the truth of who his brother is 
is, you know, who, who his brother has been since childhood. Um, so, of course, you know, Prince Hui is basically kind of, um, you know, kind of sitting around in his little changing room or shirtless looking really nice and just kind of brooding over the fact that his, his brother's a bit of a dick. And then he sees some like little slippered feet hanging out from beneath a curtain and he's like, oh my gosh, there's someone here and they're like going to try and kill me. So he grabs the sword and rips apart the curtain and is standing there like with like all intensely and fierce, you know, and Jahan is like there and freaks out basically. Um, so they have like a really, I don't know, I really liked this meeting, you know, like they kind of recognize each other and they figure out what's going on but neither of them kind of knows who the other is but he's very very interested in her at this point he's seen like she's got all these weird horse pictures she's like you know he knows she was dressed as a noble woman before but now she's like pretended to be a commoner and he's just totally interested in who she is so he likes her and then his brother comes to the door um to kind of you know the game is over Ikang has won the polo match and so he's feeling pretty chuffed and he's kind of come to I guess sort of lord it over his little brother a little bit because this is just the kind of dude that he is and of course he sees Jahyun kind of coming out of his brother's changing room and he straight away clocks onto her he's like what is this this is something that his brother has that he doesn't have even though you know at this point Prince Hui has only just met Jahyun he's only just sort of becoming interested in her he doesn't know anything about it but you see how how immediately he wants to kind of pretend she's nothing to him because he knows what his older brother is like um so it's you know his older brother is just so charismatic but there's just this like menacing dangerous energy coming off him at all times like the actor Ju Sung Wook is so good in this role um, so Johan kind of, you know, runs off. She gets into massive trouble with her parents and, you know, I don't really remember what happens next, but like a lot of, I guess, people shouting at her and stuff, but eventually, you know, her and Prince Wee, they kind of embark on this really nice romance, you know, like just really, really lovely. Um, they're both like just really kind, gentle people, even though she's, you know, a little bit kind of more innocent and exuberant and which I think he you know he really really likes how she's so I guess vivid I want to say um compared to I suppose the kind of noble women that he would normally meet or that his family might want to match him with which is someone who would you know like I guess women of this time particularly noble women must be very subservient they must be very like you know Confucian, <laughs> I guess. And Jahyun is very different. You know, she talks back to him. She she's just does whatever she wants. She she's so passionate about painting, which is his passion as well. And when he sees Jahyun, he can see having an actual life as equals with his wife, like being best friends with the woman that he will spend his life with. So he ends up talking, you know, his mother, who is the Dowager Queen, because his oldest brother is the king at this point, but his oldest brother is very unwell. Um, so he manages to talk the Dowager Queen into kind of maybe allowing him to get matched in his marriage to who he wants to be matched with. But of course, meanwhile, his older brother, Yi Kang, who's like the middle brother, is he's got his eyes on Jahyun. And I found this whole, you know, it's, it's a, it's a love triangle, right? Um, Lee Kang falls deeply in love with Jahyun and he wants her, but like, you're never quite sure what's going on. Like sometimes I was like, 
he does love her. Like, he truly loves this woman. And if she loved him back, maybe he would be a different person. Maybe that love would turn him into someone who didn't covet everything that he doesn't have because he would finally have something that was his. And then other times I would look at Lee Kang and be like, he only thinks he loves Jahan because he wants to possess her. He wants to own her. And other times I was like, I think he only thinks that he loves her because Hui has her, because Jahan loves Hui. And I sometimes thought that it wasn't so much Jahan that Lee Kang wanted, but maybe it was her unwavering devotion to his brother that Lee Kang wanted for himself. And he wants it so badly that he pushes and pushes and pushes her to like the brink throughout the drama because so many intense and tragic and just really big events happen and he's always there. So there's points in the drama where Jahan believes that her love Hui is dead and gone. And, you know, Lee Kang is pushing her, like, come to me, come to me. And But I kind of wondered, I got this impression that maybe if Jahan ever had wavered from her undying love for Hui and gone to Lee Kang, would Lee Kang still want her? Like, I don't think it would be so much that if he had her, he would no longer want her because it would be boring. I think it's it's this unwavering true love that he wants. And he sees that, that she has for his brother, but there's something about that love that he covets, that he wants for himself. And yet, I guess the kind of, you know, the, the double-edged sword of that is by her changing her mind and coming to him, which is what he thinks he wants then she's kind of disproving that she's the kind of woman who could love one man her whole life. And I think that that is what he actually wants more than her or more than his brother's woman. Like, so he, I mean, it's complex. His emotions are so complex and so interesting to me. And I kind of like that throughout the entire drama, as all these different things happen, as Lee Kang begins, you know, aiming for the throne very seriously and very scarily, you never really figure out kind of where his emotions, you know, how he truly feels, like particularly around Jahan, like whether he wants to possess her, whether he really loves her, whether if he had her, he would be happy or not. Like, I loved how complex his relationship and his love for her is, you know, and he has his own devoted wife who only looks at him and he is absolutely not interested in her and breaking her heart all the time, um, turning her into someone as spiteful as he is. It's just such a fascinating progression and character journey. Um, so I guess I'll talk about Lee Kang in terms of we do see at one point in the drama, kind of as the love story is progressing and, and the drama is moving along, we do get a flashback to the two princes when they were children. And we find out that Prince Hui, because he's the youngest prince, you know, he lives this very happy childhood in the palace, surrounded by his family who adore him, by everyone who adores him. And he's very beloved and contented. And he really has this kind of, you know, he's very talented. He's handsome. He's nice. He's charming. He just has this very magical kind of childhood, I suppose, um, where nothing bad is happening to him. And he's very confident in who he is and his position in the world. Meanwhile, you know, his older brother, who's the middle brother of the three, 
um, Ikang, is sent away from the palace. He is sent to live outside the palace, you know, surrounded by whatever court ladies to raise him. And he's sent out there from a very young age. So he doesn't grow up with his mother's love. He's never kind of allowed to enter the palace and meet his parents. So he's just shown no love whatsoever. And it's because he's, you know, he's in line for the throne. He's someone who I guess ministers can rally around and use as a wedge to get their own kind of way in the court. And the Queen Dowager is very aware of this. She's very scared of it. And I think by sending him outside of the palace, she thinks she's avoiding the very future that, of course, she creates by pushing this very little boy away from her and making him grow up starved for affection and desperate for love. And of course, she also pushes him far enough away that, uh, so there's an uncle who's the king's brother. So the dad, like the old king is, is dead, who's gone. And this is like, you know, his first son is on the throne, but wow, I really didn't explain that well. Sorry. <laughs> anyway, basically young Ikang, who is, you know, our little poisonous unhappy prince at this point, starved of affection. He has an uncle and this uncle is someone who stepped aside and allowed his brother to take the throne back in history. And he's never gotten over this. And when he says, you know, he stepped aside and allowed his brother, like I'm sure there was a lot of political kind of um, manipulations going on. And maybe he wasn't quite as happy to do that as he kind of always pretends. So he really moves in. So this uncle moves in on this young Ikang and he begins whispering in Ikang's ear. He's like, you know, why are you living outside of the palace? Why is your younger brother showered with love and everything that you deserve? Like, why are you shunted aside? Why is it always you who never gets anything that you deserve? Like, you should be in the palace. You should be loved by your mum. You should be, you know, in line for the throne. So it's so insidious like it's you just see this little boy become more and more spiteful more angry just filled with this fury and you can't blame him for becoming the type of person that you're seeing him be so eventually Ikang is like fuck this shit I'm going to live in the palace like why the fuck can't I live in the palace so he just marches to the palace and the guards won't let him in the king is very unwell. The queen, the queen dowager, who's Ikang's mother, is just like, you know, I'm fucking busy and I don't have time for my little spiteful child, which is, you know, her mistake, hardcore. So she tells the guards to turn him away, that she will bring him in to the palace when she's ready. So the guards turn him away. But meanwhile, little Prince Hui, who's, you know, perfect, happy little Prince Hui, turns up at the gates and he's like, oh my gosh, it's my cool brother. I'm so excited to see him. And then when the guards are like, oh no, he's not allowed in, little Prince Hui's like, what the fuck? Like, yes, he is. And I'm the prince and you have to do what I say. So of course, little poisonous Ikang sees the guards obey his smaller brother, but not obey him. And he's allowed into the palace only because his little brother kind of takes his hand and brings him in. So from Prince Hui's perspective, you know, this is his older brother who he's missed desperately that he wants to be best friends with. But from Ikang's perspective, here's his little brother who has everything that he should have. 
Like he has power and he's beloved and he has a place in the palace. So Yi Kang is allowed to move back into the palace, but his, you know, his mother, the Dowager Queen, is already wary of what kind of kid he is and already worried. And also Yi Kang just becomes more and more poisonous because he's seeing his perfect little brother and he begins to covet anything that his little brother has to the point where his brother has you know this this girl who is a court maid who's the same age as him I don't know how old they are like bloody 10 or 12 or something I don't know and this little girl you know she just she's devoted to him she loves him she thinks he's the best thing in the world and you can imagine she's she's a little tiny court lady child so she's been taken away from her parents and given to him to look after him and he's nice to her and he treats her well so she loves prince hui and Yi kang sees this and immediately you know he's like i want that court lady to come you know, court child <laughs> whatever to come and be in my part of the palace i want her to you know devote herself to me and the little girl is like I don't want to do that. I'm not really, I'm not really interested. I love Prince Wei. I'm going to stay with my Prince Wei. And Yi Kang is just so angry and there's no one else around. They're out in the gardens and he pushes her. I think he pushes her. I can't really remember. And she falls in the river and he just stands and watches and he doesn't save her and she drowns. So um, Prince Wei's like eunuch best friend, which, you know, poor fellow, um, who's this other little boy, kind of sees the whole thing and tells Prince Wei. And Prince Wei's really like, he doesn't want to believe this. He doesn't want to believe it at all. But he kind of realizes that his brother, you know, this is the first time it kind of gets through to him. His brother, there's something going on there. He's dangerous. And he wanted something that Hui had. And he took it away from Hui. He's murdered somebody. That's how far he's willing to go. So they kind of have a bit of an altercation where they, you know, butt heads over it. And, you know, Yi Kang is like, you know, I didn't do anything at all. And then he turns around and walks off and you're like, wow, he's so spiteful. He's so cruel. He doesn't even care that he's killed someone. And then he walks around the corner and he bursts into tears. And you realize once more, like, he's just a little boy. He's just a kid. And, you know, he's crying and he's so upset. And then his evil uncle turns up and is like, you didn't do anything wrong. Like, that was your right to do what you did and blah, 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 blah. And just totally, like, just manipulates this kid on such an intense level. And you're like, oh, well, he's fucking doomed. Like, there is no way for Yi Kung to move out of the pathway that is being paved for him by his uncle. Um, and, you know, we see them then flash forward to the future and they're both grown up. And Prince Wee, you know, he's kind of just pretends that he's forgotten this incident with this court, this little court girl. He just pretends that he doesn't know about it and he treats his brother like he loves him. And I think he just, he's such a good dude that he hopes that by consistently giving his brother the benefit of the doubt and just giving him his love, that eventually Yi Kung will will change, will realize that he's got what he needs. He's got his brother's love and that's all he needs. But the interesting thing is that when Prince Hui meets Jahyon and falls in love, like really in love for the first time, and, you know, Yi Kang is like really gunning for his little brother's woman, he wants her and he starts, you know, like taking her out on like weird scary dates on boats and things like things like that you know like he really tries to move in and it's it's a bit scary like Yi Kang is a big dude like 
he's just like, you know, he's very broad and he's a lot bigger than Jahan. And like, he's just got this like menacing, like very masculine, scary energy. Like he looks like he could, he, he's just powerful. He looks like he could do anything he wants. And he's very, very charismatic in this very dangerous way. So he's like, he's just acted so well by the actor, I think. Um, but Jahan is... You know, she's so devoted to Hui and all she does is reject him and tell him basically to fuck off all the time. But like, it's scary because you know he could take what he wants if he wanted to. It's just this like teetering over the line and we know that he's done it before. So this is when Prince Hui kind of has to begin accepting the truth. But he does it very, very slowly because he really doesn't want to believe that Yi Kang is the kind of man who would truly take his brother's woman or truly, you know, organize a freaking murderous plot to get his little brother Hui murdered. Um, so the drama kind of progresses. There's so much that happens. So that's kind of like the character and the relationship set up, but it is filled with plot twists and action scenes and wars and it's just epic. Like it's, I keep wanting to say Romeo and Juliet just because, oh, the romance, it's like, it's beautiful. They have this beautiful meet cute. They have a couple of like really sweet scenes where they're falling in love. And then it's like, it starts deepening into this, this real love. And they have some misunderstandings. And there's this really nice scene where they've, they've had this kind of falling out and Prince Wee kind of He's, he can't get in to see her because Jahyeon is kind of locked away in her house and he, he devises this whole plan where he's going to put on a mask and pretend to be an entertainer and come and tell this like really romantic story um, so that like she won't know it's him, but eventually she'll figure it out and it's this way of apologizing. And it's like, it's super swoony and romantic and lovely. And then um, through, you know, orchestrations by his brother, Prince Wee gets sent up north where, so this is um, from Manchuria, the Jerkin tribe are kind of like pushing down on Joseon's borders and there's this just so much unrest in the north. So Joseon's army is sent to kind of deal with this border issue. And because of, you know, the poisonous uncle and Ikang kind of conspiring, they managed to make it so that Prince Hui has to go. Um, and then Prince Hui dies <laughs> up on the, the northern border or, you know, does he? So, and that's like, you know, that's kind of brings you back to the epilogue of the whole show or the prologue, sorry, of the whole show. But that's only halfway through the drama and so much happens. Like it's unbelievable, just the twists and turns and just the high stakes stuff. And also the separations and pain that this couple have to endure in order to be together is fucking epic. It's really, really good. I really liked it. All right. So I think that's probably, you know, enough kind of set up. Um, I feel like I barely touched on the plot even at all, <laughs> but um, I feel like I've said a lot, so I guess I've waffled long enough. I'm going to talk about some of the stuff I loved, and I think it's going to be very kind of um, jumping back and forth um, between just different things I thought were cool about the drama and different characters I liked, um, and then, um, yeah, and then I'll do just the normal stuff. All right, stuff I loved. All right, so the stuff that I loved um, about Grand Prince. Um, so basically, I really just enjoyed the kind of sweeping epicness of the story, which I've already kind of talked about, I think, and waffled on about. Um, just that oh, that epic 
doom tragic lovers kind of thing except you know they're not doomed so it's okay um but I did really like it it does feel very big like the world feels big and these people are just caught up in these massive dangerous high stakes events and just kind of like you know pushed around like I don't know a leaf on a river What a weird thing to say. Anyway, I liked it. I thought it was really exciting. Um, I really, really loved the very complex villain. I loved how much empathy you do have for him. Sometimes you feel sorry for him. Sometimes you care about him. Sometimes you pity him. Sometimes you hate him, Um, which I think is also the exact kind of emotions that, you know, Prince Hui goes through towards his older brother as well. Um, But yeah, I just found him fascinating villain and I I love a villain that isn't just you know a bad dude because he's a bad dude and he's evil you know this this was about greed and wanting more but also being taught that from a young age that you should and it's very very interesting I felt like the kind of progression of his character throughout the drama and there's a couple of scenes that I particularly loved um one of them is when um Ikang kind of orchestrates this whole thing for his brother you know Prince Hui to go up north to fight in this war and he has created this situation to ensure that his little brother doesn't come home so he might not be wielding the knife and murdering his brother but he is you know, he's orchestrating the plot. He's involved in it anyway. His uncle is kind of doing it, but you know, he's getting his younger brother killed. And when the news comes back that Prince Hui is indeed dead, you know, Jiahan is fucking devastated. Like her world just crumbles around her. Like she's lived this beautiful, innocent life until this point. So it's such a big kind of slap in the face, like wake up call for her. And there's this scene that I love. So Ikang, when he finds out about his brother's death, he goes to this Giseng house, which he, you know, this Gibang, where he goes all the time. And there's a particular Giseng there who he kind of uses as a tool, I suppose, in, um, you know, gaining the things that he, like political things. So she just does whatever he wants. Um, so he goes there and he's dancing, you know, he's dancing with his gisang. He's really drunk and he's kind of dancing and smiling and laughing. And this main gisang who is kind of, you know, like part of his sort of little group is watching on from the sidelines and she's watching on with a friend of hers, a different gisang. And the friend is like, gosh, you know, like, why is he, why is he laughing like this? You know, his brother's dead. And the Gisang just stares at him, you know, the main woman. And she's like, oh, it's because he's sad and he doesn't know how to express that. That's why he laughs. And you see him as he's laughing drunkenly and it's just the pain in his eyes. He's just such a fucked up person that he doesn't know what he feels. He doesn't know how to express what he wants. He's just so destroyed inside. And, you know, that's a moment where I felt so sorry for him. You know, he's done this thing. He thinks he has anyway. He thinks he's murdered his brother and he's so pained by it, but also he can't, he doesn't even have, you know, he's not even equipped to express those, those, um, those emotions that he has around these feelings. It's just like, it's really sad. And, you know, but then he gains all this stuff from his brother's death and he starts moving in on his brother's woman. And this is the point where you're like, wow, what a dick. I hate him. So I really loved it. Um, another part that I really loved with the villain was, or, you know, Ikang is, you know, eventually he manages it. He becomes the king. And 
by doing some really bad shit. And when he becomes the king, he, it doesn't solve all his internal problems. You know, he doesn't feel satisfied. He doesn't feel content. He doesn't have everything he wanted. He really, really, truly spent his whole life believing that when he became king, the world would be different. The world would treat him differently and he would be different. I think there's this part of him that almost wants to be a different man, but kind of thought that maybe miraculously when he was king, Jahyon would love him, that everything would be right with the world, you know, that he's righting a wrong, that he deserves it. It's his place. And it was really interesting seeing him get everything except for Jahyon that he'd ever wanted and then still not feel satisfied. And the way that this never-ending pool of hunger inside him begins to actually fuck with his mind. He becomes, you know, paranoid and just like starts getting in intensely scary, even more so than he was before. So yeah, just, oh, I loved him. He was so good. And the actor who plays him, Ju Sung-wook, did such a good job, like just by expressing so much with his eyes, like just this, you know, he'll be doing the worst thing or saying the worst thing or whatever, but then the pain in his expression, or when he looks at Jahon, this complicated kind of mix of pure love mixed with this just desire to own her or I don't know have what his brother has it's so complicated um and I think expressed really well by Ju Sung Wook um so the next thing on my list of stuff I loved is obviously Jin Se Yeon and Yoon Shi Yoon as the two leads um you know, I probably haven't talked about Yoon Shi Yoon's character, Prince Hui, that much, simply because I think in some ways he's a slightly less complex character. Like, he's certainly a less complex or emotionally complex character than his older brother. Um, and even Jahyon, I think, probably goes on a bigger sort of emotional journey in many ways because we see her as a young woman who is not very mature really turn into just such a strong woman who is willing to endure anything and will endure anything if it is the right thing for her to do. Like she really becomes just such an incredible person and an incredible like pillar of strength for, you know, Prince Hui who has to go through all this shit with his brother. Um, but I really, really loved Prince Hui as well. I just think that he's more of, you know, he's, he's a hero kind of character. He's this really, really good person who wants to see the best in other people and is kind of getting shot down time and time again and just giving his brother this benefit of the doubt over and over. You never feel like he's being naive or stupid. You feel like he knows better, but he also just wants so desperately for his brother to love him the way that he loves his brother. It's really tragic. And I think, you know, the whole relationship between the two brothers is kind of you know, that's Hui's big emotional journey to go on to this point of acceptance that, yes, his older brother really, truly did try and kill him. And now Prince Hui has to do something about it to protect what he loves. So it's it's pretty big and epic and emotional. So I think Yoon Shi Yoon is a fantastic actor and I think he's always great in everything. So, yes, he's great in this as well. So, yeah, I loved them. I loved their romance. Um, I loved everything about them. 
Um, so another character that I really loved was, she's sort of the second female lead. So this is, um, Jia Hyun's best friend who eventually, you know, she marries Yi Kang, um, and becomes the queen when he becomes the king. And she is a really interesting character for me. She's so spiteful. She becomes so spiteful, but you realize she's from this family that doesn't have a lot and she aims high. She kind of steals her older sister's, um, you know, fiance, which is Yi Kang. And Yi Kang's not very happy. He's getting married to this sort of, you know, this kind of poorer family that don't have any great political connections. Like he's mom's doing that on purpose because she doesn't want to marry her kind of ambitious son into um you know a, a powerful political clan that has connections like she's trying to get him out of the way and make him less powerful um and Nagyong realizes that Lee Kang kind of resents it but she I don't know I feel like she loves him and certainly by the end of the drama I do but this whole thing that Nagyong ends up hating Jahyon because her husband loves her. Her husband loves her best friend and not her. And it's so painful for her. And I, you don't always like her for sure, but I felt a lot for her. I really did, particularly when she pops back up at the very end of the drama and kind of, you know, the very last episode, it made me cry. And I, I felt really sad for her lot in life and I don't know, like she does the most terrible things, but she was a very fascinating character and she was someone I just felt so much empathy for even when she was doing these awful things, you know, like torturing her best friend and gouging out a Gisang's eye and just the worst shit. She was a really good character though and I was very, very interested in her. Um, so another character that I really liked that I thought was really interesting is when Prince Hui goes up to, you know, fight on the border up in the north and everyone thinks he's dead. What happens is he actually gets stuck in like a labor camp for three years and he meets this young woman there called, yeah, um, the actress name is Son Ji-hyun and the character's name is Ru Shige. So this young woman is half like Joseon and half Jerkin. So she's kind of an outcast in both societies. She's kind of a Jerkin princess, but no one treats her like that or gives her any respect. And she likes him. She likes Hui because he's kind to her. And in the end, you know, three years of them living together and working in this horrible, hellish place, she is just head over heels in love with him, will follow him anywhere. And so when Prince Wee comes back from the dead and he's reunited with his lost, you know, his love Jahyon, the female lead, he's got this woman tagging along behind him who's this amazing warrior. Like she's very cool and very like, she's a bit petty and, and stuff. Like she's, I actually, I wasn't sure at first. I was like, oh no, I don't love that he's got this woman who's just in love with him is causing these problems between Jahyon and Prince Hui. But I ended up warming to Rushige in such an intense way. I liked her so much and I like the way she is determined to hate Prince Hui's destined love, you know, Jahyon. And she just can't because Jahyon is this she's lovely, you know, she's so nice, she's so thoughtful, and she treats Rushige like somebody that matters, and I, I just really enjoyed that whole storyline in a way that I think I didn't expect to, um, so yeah, that was really cool. Um, I also really liked the little teeny tiny side romance between um, Jahyun's personal maid and Jahyun's older brother. So it never really goes anywhere. Nothing kind of happens. But every now and then, like, you know, from the very start that he is completely in love with 
his little sister's personal mate, which is like, you know, that's a very big social divide between these two and it's a big no-no. And it's very, very interesting because I think the drama takes this really realistic approach to it in that he doesn't sweep her off her feet and marry her and raise her station and, you know, the personal maid is allowed to become um, a noble woman. Instead, he kind of confesses his love to her and she's like, well, what are you going to do about it? Like, are you going to marry me? And he's like, oh, well, you know, no, my family's not going to let me do that. And she's like, oh, so you're just going to install me as your concubine? And he's like, yeah, that, that'd be great. Are you into that? And the personal maid's like, fuck no. Like, I don't, that's not what I want from my life. So he has to just pine over her. And you get the impression that she might like him back. She might fall in love with him, but she's certainly not allowing herself to because she's realistic. She understands the world around her. And there's this, you know, it's, it's kind of played for cutesy kind of comic relief. It's quite fun. It's quite nice. Um, it's not given a lot of screen time. But there was this kind of underlying sadness to it and this, for me anyway, just because you do understand that this is something that just can't, it can't be, it can never be. And even at the very last episode, you know, we flash forward 10 years and he's really pissy at her for not waiting for him because she's got married to somebody else. And, you know, she's just kind of defending herself and she's calling him a coward. And like, you know, if he wanted to marry her or if he wanted to, you know, actually be serious, he could have. But he can't, you know, he's a very high up scholar in the Joseon dynasty and it's not something that he's allowed to do. And I liked that the drama didn't sort of circumnavigate what was kind of possible. I kind of liked that it was a, even though it was a sad ending to the little cute side romance, it was a realistic one. And I thought that was interesting that they kind of chose to be a bit more realistic about that side romance. Um, so the very last thing on my list of stuff that I loved. So this drama has a lot of kiss scenes, um, which is really, really cool. Um, I feel like the more modern dramas have a lot of kiss scenes. And when you watch the old dramas, you're lucky to get even one, particularly in like historicals. They'll just stare at each other at the end and you're supposed to be satisfied with that. So this one has multiple really nice kiss scenes, like very romantic. But there's one in particular that I was like, oh my gosh, this is the best thing <laughs> I've ever seen. <laughs> I thought it was so good. So this is when Prince Sui, so Yoon Shiyun, um, is sent to the north to fight in the war. And so, you know, he's all dressed up in his battle gear and he's like with all these soldiers kind of marching north through all this like freezing cold winter territory in the middle of nowhere. And bloody Jahyeon at this point, she's still just like a little innocent thing. You know, she's just, she'll do anything. She'll break any rule. She just has no understanding of consequences. And she really remains that way until she believes Prince Hui is dead. And she has to like sit around for three years and just grieve him. Um, that's when she really changes and she grows a lot into this mature, strong woman who can endure anything. But at this point, you know, she's still just kind of bumbling around. So she dresses like a dude, um, like a servant and just kind of follows like all these soldiers and men just into the frozen countryside because she's like embroidered this little vest and she wants to give it to her boyfriend. And and of course, like, you know, the first night they camp in the middle of nowhere, um, Prince Hui kind of finds her skulking around and he's like, oh my gosh, there's a spy in the camp. And so he's got a knife at her throat immediately. And then he's just like, oh my gosh, like, what the fuck are you doing here? This is the worst. But at the same time, he's so pleased to see her. So it's all very romantic, but he's like, you have to, you have to leave. But obviously she can't leave until the next day. 
So he doesn't want her to sleep outside, so he sneaks her into this tent that is, like, filled with sick soldiers. <laughs> so they're just, like, lying in the corner of this tent filled with other people. And he's, you know, wearing his big mad armor and stuff, and she's dressed like a boy. And they're just lying side by side. And then in the middle of the night when it's dark, you know, like, he leans over and kisses her. And it is such a good, swoony, swoony kiss scene. It is so romantic. I loved it so much and <clears throat> may have rewinded it once or twice. <laughs> it was really, really good and satisfying. Um, I really liked it. All right. So now I'm going to move on to some stuff that I didn't love, of which there is actually very little. Okay, so stuff that I didn't love quite as much as all the stuff that I loved. Um, there's one glaring problem with this drama for me which was just like oh it was so I did not love it and this is the thing so Yoon Chi Yoon as in Prince Hui goes up north to fight against the Jerkin tribes or however you pronounce that um and you know is dead for three years and then when he comes home you know he's he's been fighting he's been in a labor camp so you know he's a bit scruffy he hasn't shaved um, and by hasn't shaved, what I mean by that is that the costume designer has literally glued some hair to his face. So he's got hair glued to his face and he turns up home and I'm like, you know, this isn't great. I don't love it, but it's okay. It's all right. He's been in a labor camp. He'll, you know, he'll clean himself up. He'll shave. It'll be fine. But he doesn't. He doesn't shave all the hair that's glued on his face off and for the rest of the entire drama, Yoon Shi Yoon has hair glued to his face. And there are some kiss scenes and I'm like, Jaehyun has to kiss this man who has hair glued onto his face. And I didn't like it. I did not like it. It was so fucking distracting and I couldn't understand why when he came back, you know, he's all dirty and scruffy, but you know, he has a wash. He like combs his hair. He puts on some nice silk robe. So why didn't he fucking shave off his like fake glued on beard? I was so upset by this <laughs> and I feel like it was so distracting in an otherwise beautifully romantic and exciting drama. So yeah, I, I fucking hated this weird glued on beard and I just don't understand why it was there or why it looked so fake. Um, so the second male lead, the villain of the piece, Yi Kang, he also, you know, has a beard randomly turn up about halfway through the drama or whatever. And I mean, I guess that one must be fake as well. I don't know. I thought it looked good. I thought he looked really handsome with his beard, whether it was real or fake. I don't know, because I just kind of accepted that it was on his face and I thought it looked really good on him. And I also feel that Yoon Shi Yoon's fake beard did not look good. I think it looked like a weirdly too perfectly straight glued on thing. And I hated it. So there you go. That was a huge, huge rant. But also, it really bothered me, and that's why I've now bothered you with it. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> All right, so there was only, like, one other thing that I kind of didn't like, uh, and it's not, like, a huge thing. It wasn't that I particularly didn't like it, but I could have done with, like, a bit more around this. So I mentioned that there is this Giseng. Uh, so she works in the Gibang. She's an extremely beautiful woman. She's just so poised and... I don't know, She's the actress was really good. And she kind of gets introduced to Yi Kang quite 
you know, towards the beginning of the drama. And he's kind of just looking at different women and deciding, you know, whichever one's the hot one that he wants to, I think, kind of use to seduce his little brother. And of course, he's totally not into that kind of stuff because he only loves Jahyeon. But, um, you know, this particular Gisang turns up and she just, she's so charismatic. She's just like mesmerizing. And she kind of makes a deep enough impression on Lee Kang that he brings her into the fold as one of his people. And at first, she's just going to be someone that he uses to, you know, kind of do his bidding for whatever political reasons. But in the end, he's so upset about Jahyeon and not getting what he wants that he does sort of like, you know, get with her and everything. She's a geese saying, of course, she has to do that sort of stuff. And I really liked her whole vibe is so like mysterious and you just constantly like oh like she is an interesting woman with depths and i want to know what she's scheming and there's this scene you know where he kind of um ikang is sort of like leaving the the gibang after they've been together for the first time you know he kind of said he wouldn't make her his woman but he has because he was so pissed about something else and as ikang leaves she's kind of looks after it like she looks at him as he's leaving and she's so like just i don't know her face is just like this calm mask and she's just like you know you'll you will never own me you know but i will take whatever you offer me and you just realize she's this ambitious woman who is just going to you know take everything that he'll give her money and and rank and everything and it's so interesting i was so interested by her but of course e kung's spiteful wife nagyom um who's Jahyeon's ex-best friend, finds out that her husband is, you know, with this Gisang on the side. So she is so poisonously angry about it that when the Gisang kind of comes near her, Nagyeom bashes this woman almost to death. Obviously, she doesn't do it herself. She calls in some servants and like literally nearly kills this Gisang. So the Gisang goes back to the Gisang house and she's, she, you know, she's nearly dead. And when she recovers, she has this friend, this friend Gisang, who's like, you know, what are you going to, what are you going to do about it? Like, you're going to do something. And the Gisang's like, yes, you know, I will get my revenge. You know, when she, you know, I wait, I'm so patient when she least expects it. I'll get my revenge on Nagyom. And I'm like, ooh, this is exciting. And then, um, you know, three years pass, another year passes. And then, you know, the Gisang and Nagyom come face to face again. And I'm like, ooh, what's going to happen? By this point, Nagyom has become the queen. You know, her husband, Ikang, is the king. And Nagyom's like, I hate this Gisang. I hate her so much because she's sort of my husband's woman. So she fucking pours some like, I don't know, melted lead or some shit, melt, met, bleh, bleh, sorry, <laughs> melted metal into the Gisang's eyeball and gets it so her eyeball doesn't exist anymore because this Gisang was going to be raised up to be a concubine of the king. But if you want to be a concubine of the king, you cannot have a blemish or a scar on your body. You must be perfect. And by, you know, popping out this poor lady's eye, this lady can no longer be a concubine. So like, it's pretty intense. So now I'm like, wait, this Gisang swore revenge years ago. She hasn't done fucking anything. And now she's had her eye popped out by this woman. So I'm like, she's going to do something. This woman's going to do something. And then the drama ends, you know, it's this big sort of like face off between the two brothers. And in the very last moment, he can't, you know, he realizes he's not going to win. And he kind of does this thing um, that I really liked. He, and, you know, he does love his brother beneath everything. He loves Prince Hui. And it's 
really, you know, it's so tragic, but there's some sort of satisfaction there. Uh, and the Gisang, who's been abandoned by Ikang and kind of joined the side of the goodies and helped them take down, you know, the king and the queen and everybody, um, you know, you kind of just, she helps them and that's it. And then the whole drama jumps forward to the end of the show, which is 10 years later. And we see Nagyom, who is now an ex-queen, who's been on the run. And, you know, the, the Gisang's just walking around the streets 10 years after the whole drama basically you know all the events have finished and she sees Nagyom just walking all around, like walking down the street and Nagyom's like uh, uh, like coughing and she's clearly really sad and sick and the Gisang's like ha 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 I finally got my revenge and I'm like what the fuck no you did not I'm like what this woman popped out your eyeball and you just did nothing for like 14 years and now this woman's a bit you know really sad and is dying of an illness and I don't feel like that like what <laughs> I just felt like they should never have had the, the Gisang say she was going to get revenge at all. And then I would have been like, all right, cool. I won't like, you know, hang on the edge of my seat for that to happen. <laughs> so that was a really, really long story about the Gisang's whole thing in the drama, even though she's such a minor character. But I feel like really weirdly obsessed by Gisang characters, I guess, always. I'm really interested in them. And I feel like I feel like Gisang characters just get shortchanged in dramas all the time. I just like they never get happy endings. They never kind of achieve things. I'm, I'm sure I'm generalizing and I'm sure there's dramas where Gisangs do have like a bit of bigger, better roles or whatever. But I just feel like they're always like the tragic woman or the fallen woman or the, the dead woman. Like they're never like, you know. The romantic female lead, particularly, um, which is, of course, why, you know, I write my whole book series, the Promise series, which is all about Gisang so far. Um, so anyway, that's a total side story. But that's probably like now that I, I just went on that huge long rant at you guys about the Gisang character, I'm realizing, oh, I think that's just a personal thing because I like I'm so interested in Gisang and, and why they don't kind of get there you know, big romantic lead character moments. So anyway, that's probably completely beside the point. Um, so the end of the drama is kind of this flash forward to 10 years. And it's really sad in terms of Nagyom's character, which is the second female lead, Jahyon's ex-best friend. You find out, you know, when her husband died, Lee Kang, she was pregnant, she's had a daughter. And the ending with her broke my heart. It was so sad you know she's obviously sick she knows she's dying and she brings her daughter and leaves her daughter at Jahyon and Prince Wee's house where they're living happily with their kids and you realize that even though she's so you know she's been so spiteful towards Jahyon she's wanted Jahyon to be dead all those years you know when they were kind of having this big face-off because Nagyom's husband was in love with Jahyon in the end, after all this time has passed, Nagyom is still grieving the loss of Ikang, and you realize she really did love him. Like, she actually loved him. And if he'd only been satisfied with the undying love of his wife instead of always coveting his brother's, you know, wife or girlfriend or whatever, you know, he might have found happiness with this woman. And it's so sad. And you also realize that even though Nagyom has turned away from Jahyon and hurt her and tortured her and tried to kill her and all this terrible shit has gone down between these two old friends. When it comes down to it and Nagyom realizes that she's ill and she's going to die, she brings her daughter and leaves her daughter at, Nagyom, at Jahyon's house because she does 
believe in her friend. She believes in the good woman that her friend is, and she knows that Jahyun will raise her daughter well. And I was so moved by that. I was just thought it was like such a beautiful, sad, devastating ending to you know, the whole progression of their friendship throughout this drama just disintegrating. And I loved that Nagyom was still able to recognize after everything that she trusted Jahyun. You know, she trusted this woman. And it's just this spark of what their friendship used to be. It was beautiful, but so sad. Um, I actually loved the ending. I found it so satisfying. And there's actually just some really sweet happy cute scenes and particularly the very last finishing kind of shot which is Prince Wee and his wife Jahyun 10 years later you know, they have kids at this point but they've gone on a day trip up a mountain to paint together and just the the easy friendship you know between this married couple is so lovely it was so like romantic but in a kind of a real life married couple kind of way I thought where you know your partner can be your best friend as well as your love and you can just enjoy their company. They can be the person that you want to hang out with. And I just thought it was really beautiful ending to such a, at times, you know, emotionally devastating show that was so tragic. Um, so it had such a beautifully happy, satisfying ending. So that's enough for me because I've just, oh my gosh, I talked so much about this show. I really, really enjoyed it. Um, I felt like there was so much to say and it was really beautiful, I think, in a lot of ways. I really liked it. Um, so that's all I'm going to say on Grand Prince, the 20 episode kind of historical romance drama. Thank you very much for listening to me waffle on for so long. <laughs> So now it's time for my random thing of the week. And because this was a historical drama, obviously my random thing is historical. <laughs> so it is kind of the, the history, I suppose, that Grand Prince is very, very loosely, no, I don't want to say loosely based on it, was inspired by and then, you know, went in its own direction. Um, I think it's really interesting. So um, Yi Kang the kind of, you know, the, the covetous prince who desperately wants to be king is based on a very famous real life person who was Grand Prince Su Young. And um, Yun Chi Yoon's character, you know, Prince Hui, is kind of based loosely on his younger brother, Grand Prince An Pyong. So both of these princes, Grand Prince Su Young and Grand Prince An Pyong, kind of sought an opportunity to take control of the kingdom and elevate themselves onto the throne. Because, you know, it's true that their older brother became king, but he was very ill. And when he died, his son was super, super young. So not really in a position to, um, you know, be able to hold his position, basically, because he was a teeny tiny baby king, sort of. <laughs> um, so the interesting thing, though, I guess, about the real life Grand Prince Su Young um, and his younger brother An Pyong is that their dad, as it was in the drama, is King Sejong. So King Sejong, which is Sejong the Great, is... I was going to say one of, but I guess he is the most famous king in Korean history, I would say, I think, or as far as I know. Um, and he is, of course, this incredible king who created 
Hangul. Um, so prior to King Sejong in Korea, they only had, you know, the written form of Chinese characters. And he, he basically created a written language for Koreans that modern Koreans now use. Um, so it's pretty extraordinary. But King Sejong was also, you know, promoted uh, education and science and, you know, medical stuff. So he was a really interesting figure. Um, and of course, is very, very famous because of his legacy. So it's quite fascinating to think that King Sejong, Sejong the Great, who is so famous, had these sons. And then, you know, the next generation after King Sejong the Great died is so tumultuous. So we have, um, you know, basically when King Sejong, so this is really confusing, <laughs> see if I can get this right. Um, I'm no expert here, but this is my understanding. Um, king Sejong the Great's like first son becomes king, but he gets very sick and he dies. And he leaves his little son, who is called Danjong, to rise up and become the king. But this, this little boy is just a tiny kid. And this is the point where Grand Prince Su Young gets his eyes on the throne, as he does in the drama, because there's a little boy king sitting there. So he kind of manages to take over. Um, he, in real life, his younger brother, Grand Prince An Pyong, also tries to take over or, you know, who knows, like plots and stuff. But he ends up dying. I think he gets exiled and then dies later, which again happens in the drama. But of course, you know, Yoon Chi Yoon keeps coming back from the death, uh, from the dead. But, um, you know, in real life, as in the drama, um, the older brother ends up, you know, exiling and kind of murdering his younger brother. Um, and so Grand Prince Su Young, in real life, does take the throne and he also ends up exiling and murdering Danjong, who is his little baby king nephew. So he, I think it's a very famous thing in history that, you know, Grand Prince Su Young becomes Sejo of Joseon. So he becomes the king of Joseon, but it's like kind of paved by blood of his younger brother and also, you know, his little baby nephew. Um, so he, he kills family members in order to take over the throne as he tries to do in the drama, but doesn't really succeed. But in real life, he does succeed. And I think it's very interesting just because I guess, you know, his dad is considered to be this really great king who is so you know, just forward thinking and incredible for his time. And then, you know, his son sort of manages a lot of his family in order to reign and be the king of Joseon. But I think the super interesting thing about the real King Sejo of Joseon is that, yes, he did murder all those people to get the throne. But apparently once he did kind of become king, he was fairly good at it. Like he did a lot of really good things. He looked after the lands well and he he dealt with a lot of stuff well. So I think it's just, I don't know, history is so interesting. And I find particularly like this kind of medieval stuff is so complex when it comes to like when you think of things in terms of modern morals, you know, like murdering your nephew is bad. But also when he did rise to become a king, he did a fairly good job. So that's really interesting. Like they say that he proved himself as one of the most able rulers and administrators in Korean history. So, I mean, I'm just like, huh, there you go. So I don't know what that says, but I think I'm just endlessly fascinated by these kind of these flip side things in history. You know, like one of my favorite kind of historical um, figures, I suppose, is, you know, uh, 
Guanghe, Guanghegun, who is a crown prince who becomes king after the Imjin War. And again, he does a little bit of murdering in order to become king. And yet he's done other things in his life that just seems so incredible to me. And I don't know, I find it really fascinating that you can be like, oh, I really don't like that. Like, that's so bad by modern standards and even by those standards back then. And yet as king, these people kind of performed quite well. Very interesting stuff. And also bloody and, you know, sad because a lot of people died. So there you go. That's my random thing um, of the week. But I should just mention, so, sorry, uh, King Sejo. So this is... Um, you know, the, the guy that uh, Yi, Yi Kang is based on. So he was born in 1417. So that just kind of gives you an idea of when that drama was set. So that's kind of like the mid 1400s. So there you go. That's it. Okay, I'm done. <laughs> now it's time for my something I'm loving section this week and I was thinking about it like what am I loving this week what am I enjoying and I kind of came down to the idea of you know having something that you're passionate about being passionate about something for a start but having the opportunity to indulge in this thing that you care about that you're passionate about and I think that that is something that I feel really really grateful for and it sounds I mean it sounds cheesy right um, but I figure it's like no matter what it is that you're passionate about whether it's you know stories in k-drama or for me at the moment like very particularly learning about Joseon history and stuff like that. I just feel so excited that I can do that kind of stuff. You know, I can get so interested and I can explore it. I can do what I like when it comes to the passions in my life. And I have the opportunity to learn if I want to learn or, you know, watch K-dramas that I want to watch. And I I know it's something that can just so easily, it sounds cheesy, but I guess be taken for granted that you can do these things in your life if you want to. But I, I guess I don't want to take those things for granted. I want to feel good about the fact that I can do what I want with my life and that I am. And it kind of sounds really silly, but there you go. Um, I'm feeling grateful for that this week. And it's something that I'm really loving at the moment. So now, as always, I just want to say a huge thank you to all those people who support me on Patreon. Um, I really, really appreciate it. Um, thank you very much, everybody. And I want to give a huge welcome and thank you to new Patreon supporter, Vicky Wilson. Thank you so much, Vicky. It's really, really lovely of you. Um, and I also just want to let Patreons know, um, because I know like there's kind of a, a blog thing in Patreon, but I, I'm not sure like how great the notification system is. Um, it sometimes is a little bit glitchy, I think, but um, I have put up a post which is basically um, just letting Patreons know that I'm going or I'm planning to do another guest gabble episode coming up. So basically I'm looking for people to help me with that. So if you are interested, please have a look at that post um, and let me know if you are keen. Mm -hmm. 